As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Hi, welcome to Standing in Faith. This is Kat. I'm in the studio with Jeff. Here I am. And David. Hi. Welcome. So this is a very interesting idea here, right? And it centers around the reasons for testings, trials, afflictions, sufferings, right? Mm -hmm. In this case, the disciples wanted to know what sin the man committed. And effectively, Jesus said, none. This was done for the glory. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's a general misconception amongst many people that the reason that somebody goes through hardship in general, or persecution, or suffering, is because of sin. Curious to what you guys think about that. Jesus didn't think so. Well, I think that you gotta, you've got to weigh that out, though, also with other scenarios where he said, uh, he said um, uh, your sins are forgiven. And then he said, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? So you had the paralytic man that, that he does, does that with. Um, so you could say, okay, was it because of some sin or whatever, blah, 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 possible. But all disease, anything that's, that's out, of, out of line with God's design plan, of course, came as a result of sin. You know, mm-hmm. sickness and everything is a result of sin initially, anywhere in the world. But the individual, and I think this is what Jeff's talking about, that I think that's important for us to think about, is just because you're going through something or there's some ailment, you know, like, was well, not necessarily because, oh, I sinned and I got tripped up and therefore I'm having this, this issue. Um, and I think that's something that we have to look at. And I think each each situation takes takes looking into as to what what is it that God is trying to do or use in this particular setting, because we're God's children. We belong to God. God doesn't mistreat and abuse His children. Doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So we have to ask ourselves when we're going through trials or we're suffering in some capacity or other. What does this look like? Um, Job knew that somehow knew that God was putting him through a test, and he said, "Though he, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though I go through these trials, I'll come forth as gold." You know, um, there was there were he knew that there was something there, although it was. Uh, the evil one that laid all this stuff on him, though God allowed it. So there's a lot here that that gets um, gets brought up in all of this stuff that you that, that sometimes can be confusing. Sometimes 
I think sometimes I think, and this is the one thing that we really have to watch, sometimes God becomes this ogre, this harsh kind of God. And that is what Satan wants you to hear. Mm-hmm. He wants you to get a wrong view of God. Mm. Yeah, it comes down to really belief or unbelief in is God good? Do you believe God is good? Who do you say that he is? It would just be like examining your own heart. Who is he? Is God good or not? Uh, the account of the miracle that I read came from John 9. And at the end of that chapter, the same man who was healed uh, was bowing down and worshiping Jesus at the end of the chapter. So he found Jesus later after being questioned and all this stuff by the Pharisees. And But it resulted in him worshiping the Messiah, the you know, the Son of God. So yeah. that was the result of his suffering and then his healing. So if I look back at what we've covered so far during season two, right? We we started off, right? Don't be surprised, right? Don't don't be surprised. Um then we went and we talked about refining, right? The refiner. Then we also even talked about foxes, right? And what might be trying to chew away at our quote unquote beliefs and mm-hmm. unbeliefs. Um but I'm I'm kind of back to this idea that yeah, I think that there are there's more than one, right? At least examples that we've already even talked about here for the reasons for suffering, right? And I think David said one of the reasons could be we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen it, state, yeah. right? So there's right. sin in many cases that's pervasive. Right? That's just a result of that. Mm-hmm. So that could be one of the reasons. Um let's let's talk about right and I'm not sure where it is in Scripture, but it says the sins of your fathers are visited to future generations. I think down to four. Mm-hmm. Um, I Third think, or fourth generation. Yeah. So um, that's an interesting topic right there is a potential reason for something that someone's going through. Um, personally, though, I think that that falls into Old Covenant. Versus new covenant? Yeah, because there's I know there's a part where it says like the soul who sins is the soul who will die. It's it's not gonna be that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's kind of um for me, that I find that to be okay, that that may have been true. I think Jesus redeemed us from that. However, I think that those the, the sins of your father aren't necessarily held against a person, but they could be leaning a person towards them. Well, let's take, for instance, uh, um, let's go back a few generations. You have a, a great-grandfather that abused his child. Uh-huh. Uh, that child grew up and then abused his child. Exactly. And then that child grew up and abused his child. So that's the kind of, of thing you're looking at. The they leaning. Were, 
that, that's what I meant by yeah. leanings, right? Yeah. It it's just, not your sin, but you're leaning towards that because that's your learned behavior. Your learned behavior. Yeah. Right? Now, say you grew up in a home where the father beat the mother, and you say, I will never do that. And then you get into marriage, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're beating your wife. Why? Because you were discipled that way. You, you, when, when the emotions came up, that's the only picture you had, and probably hate yourself for doing that, but that's what happens typically mm-hmm. in those scenarios because they were discipled in that context. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, that's how that kind of thing is passed down, I would say. Um, and, yeah, and, and God that is happen. not holding that person accountable to what the the father no. and the grandfather no. have done. No, no, right. Uh-uh. That that is no longer the case. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my point in your example. Yeah. Now, like I know someone who grew up in a family of alcoholics, father, mother, all were alcoholics, and had you know bunch of siblings, and all of the siblings, a bunch of them have died from alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one person uh, was never affected by alcohol, hates alcohol, and has become very successful in in who he is and what he does. Mm -hmm. So if the sins of the fathers were passed down in the context that you say, well, um, you know, He's sinful for that same reason his father and mother were, or whatever. It wouldn't work there. He, he, matter of fact, he's a he's a believer. He, he he's never had a drink in his life, and he's done well, you know. But he's buried several of his brothers, and mm. he does have one sister that went through all that, but came out, and she's doing well. Um, so you know there, the, you 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 can't make hard lines on what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I think. I agree. That's um. I agree. Isn't that the mistake that was made in Job? Exactly. That's what his. That's a, that was the mistake that yeah. Yeah, they made a hard line that you know if you're suffering, then you have sinned, and of course that was not the case with Job. So suffering could come because you did sin. Mm-hmm. But suffering could come about because God is going to use it to increase your trust and your belief in him. And what else? Why else could yeah, suffering I think come? In, in the, I think a good example for that was, and it's one if you go back, is that the testing of your faith produces ultimately character and character hope. So that there is the idea of the testing part that you may go through uh, something. I think that, that, that not only does it inc- help increase your faith and your patience and your hope and all that, but it, it also causes you to see the kinds of things that you need to die to. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like gold. It's heated. We've said this before. The dross rises to the top. You see it. So that needs to be scraped away. And so God puts heat in our lives in order to reveal to us those areas in our life that need to die, that need to go to the cross. Yep. So I want to read to answer another potential aspect here for you, Kat. So I want to read um, 
Second Corinthians chapter one. I'm probably gonna read. I was just about to read that. Oh really? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Okay. Um, and it, it starts off with He. This is the the God of endless comfort. Always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering, so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them the same comfort that God has poured out upon us. I'll just stop there. I I think I I can tell you personally in my life, we're going through some stuff, my wife and I, and. I see this, I feel this verse, I feel it, right? It's not just heady to me. I know the comfort of God. I know how he's come alongside us at this time. And I can also see how we can extend that same comfort that we've received to others that are walking through what we're walking through right now. It's tough, right? I mean, my wife's got cancer. I'm out of work. Kinda, right? So th- these are tough places to be, and right, we've just we've reached the point where we've we've come to the end of our finances, and that's an that's a brand new place for my wife and I. We've never been here before. Um. So, yeah, why am I saying this? I'm saying this because now we understand, and as we've talked, we're like, yeah, we've got a whole new level of compassion for for others now mm-hmm. because we're walking this. We've walked this path. We know what this path feels like now. Um so I think that that's another reason, right? It's not just sin. Um and it's not something that we've done and who knows what the cause of any of this is. That's I almost want to say for us that has become not important. What is important is to, I use the word press into, but like lean on that comfort from God and receive it. And leaning on that comfort is training you in righteousness, which, again, you will be able to train others in righteousness. And that sounds really like um, theoretical, those that wording it that way, but it's a really like a heart place, you know, of, of relying on God and finding our comfort from God. Right thinking and right feeling and right acting, you know, in regards to God. And it's interesting because you can say that, that God allowed your wife to get cancer. Okay? No. I, I says you can say yeah. that your wife. God allowed your wife to get cancer. Um, one way or the other, you can say that. What I'm saying by that is that that what in whatever line, whatever way she received it, she could have looked at it that way and said, oh, well, God put this on me and become bitter towards God. She could also have looked at it and say, well, God put gave this to me and so now I'm going to have to learn to persevere through it. Or she can just say, because of the fallen world, I've received this cancer, and I'm still now going to have to trust God more than ever in my life in all these scenarios you talked about. 
So I think what Kat was sharing is so important is that in the way that we go through, Job said, when I come through this, I'll be like gold. In other words, I'll be refined. I'll look bright and beautiful as a, as a result. And ultimately, he did, even though God had to kind of rebuke him in the end for thinking how small God was. But he never sinned. Now, the, the, the other side of this, I think about, like, I lost a son five years ago. He's 38 years old. That was not something that Sheila ever expected to happen, you know? And it was hugely difficult. Now, I could have taken on a very, you know, negative and bitter approach to God. Why did you allow my son to die? All those kinds of various and sundry things. And, you know, I, to this, I don't really understand it all, why he had to go at 38 years old and why all those kinds of things are there. But going back to what you said, in all the years of ministry, I've buried other people's children. And I never could fully understand what they went through until I went through what I did. And it makes all the difference in the world. As a matter of fact, during the time right after Josh died, we were going to a, a, a thing in Colorado that we really both needed. And um, a couple that is from our church um, happened to be in Colorado at the same time, so we scheduled to meet with them. They had lost a son years ago. He was 21. The interesting thing about it is after when we were there, that moment, meeting with them, eating supper with them, and because we didn't have a lot of time, was probably one of the highlights for Sheila and I during that period of time because we felt so comforted by them mm. because of what they'd gone through years before. Mm -hmm. And it was just sweet in, in the way that they – they basically, I mean, it wasn't a whole lot of what they said or anything. It was knowing what they'd been through, seeing their lives now, and, and, and how they have persevered and grown through a lot more than just that, uh, I think brought us great comfort. So it kind of goes back to what Kat said right before what I said, <laughs> and that was, how, how, what's our view of God? Is he good or is he not good? And I guess I can just speak for myself. My, my understanding of God's goodness hasn't changed because of our circumstances or our situation. I, I still believe God's good. Do I believe that, that, that some sin from my wife or I has caused us to be in the place we are right now, I'm going to cuss, hell no. I don't believe that. And the reason I don't believe that is because Jesus's blood has washed me clean of that. That is not true for me. I'm, this is just me. I Nope. I'm not going to accept that. I refuse that. Now that I'm... That voice has certainly been there, and I'm like, nope, you need to stop and shut up, and now you're going to hear some Bible verses from me. Yeah. Um, so, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think that God uses our suffering as a form of punishment. Um, I just don't believe that. So I don't feel like this is a punishment from him. I really kind of hold on to that 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, right, that this is an experience that we need to have that's going to help us to, to overflow our love and compassion for others that are also in this place. Um, and, I, and I can speak, um, if you'll let me speak a little boldly, but yeah, cancer is a giant. Just the name, cancer, can be a giant to people. Just the name, unemployment, can be a giant to some people, right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's quite something when you look at your bank account and it's zero, or negative, and those are giant things that, I mean, and we're not the only people in the world that are facing that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what breaks my heart is the thought of having to face this without God. Yeah, I, that breaks my heart. That's what. That's what's more troubling to me than anything. It's more troubling that there are people that are facing these things without that. I think. David used the word earlier, without that hope, that living, alive hope to to cling to. Boy. You know, it's interesting that um, when we look at all of this, as to determine the source of something isn't always as important as just to say, God, what out of all of this, yes. what do you look what are you looking for in my life? Yeah. Regardless of whether it was sin, the devil uh, tripping over something and busting, uh, whatever, you know, because he does say this, and Romans eight twenty eight is so important. In all things, and all things work together for good to all. those, yeah, all, oh, sin, uh, mistakes, failures. Uh, successes, whatever they may be, they all work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. So what that that's God's design law. Yep. When you use the word punishment, that doesn't fit there. No. God does not punish us. And I said this before, is that the word discipline has to do with correction. That is con- to convict us to correct us, to get us on the right path, to teach us in in that context, but not to punish us. There's where Satan loves for us to see this God that's standing over us with a two-by-four and ready to hit you when you do something wrong. A lot of superstition is behind that, too. Yeah, it's very superstitious. Yeah, it, it becomes that way. And so there's this ugly, this pain of an ugly God in that context. Mm. Um. Do we suffer from consequences? Sure. If it, let's say I um, I run around with this unforgiving spirit, and I'm, I'm not willing to forgive, but and I continually, continually allow it to go into bitterness. That bitterness then can affect others. Well, bitterness, all those kind of things, can cause your body. I read a book called None of These Diseases, written by a doctor years ago. And he talked about how all of these different things can affect your body and can produce ulcers, 
cancer, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, all kinds of different sicknesses, just those various things in our body, because we were not created to, to carry, carry unforgiveness kind of or yeah. carry, yeah. To carry that or to carry anything else that may be um, of a negative consequence. And that's why I think, too, not only all things work together, but the First Thessalonians, what, 518, in everything, give thanks. Now, in your setting, it's not easy to give thanks for having cancer. But he, he said, in everything, give thanks. And I think in the context of what you're saying and what it's doing and what you're realizing is, Father, thank you for this cancer because now we can help those who are suffering and going through similar situations. And at the uh, further down in that Second Corinthians 1 chapter, Paul is talking about all these hardships that they suffered in the province of Asia. And in verse 9 it says, Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but... This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God mm-hmm. who raises the dead. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it just, you can rejoice because when you go through it, you're ulti- you know, you're relying more on God and less on yourself. That's what the next verse says. Many will rejoice. So yeah. those, those verses that you just read, Kat, were the... The, the verses that God sort of planted for my wife and I as we started this craziness, um, those are the verses that we're holding on to. And yeah, you know what? We did receive a death sentence. Check. Got that one. Um, the next one, we're going to be delivered and raised from the dead. I'm praying that that is not literal. <laughs> um, to be perfectly honest with you, I... Yeah. I don't want that one to be well, literal. Yeah. Raised from the death sentence that was already yeah. <laughs> yeah, pronounced on her. Um, but then the next verse, there's going to be great rejoicing by multitude of people. There are so many people that have come alongside us. It's overwhelming. It overwhelms us. But I, I want to I wanna switch to something that, that I've been, I don't want to say wrestling with, but working myself through. And I think that this goes back to the tie-in to the book of Job. So Job's buddies were telling him all this this thinking of the time, the wisdom, you must have sinned, right? You you can't be afflicted like this without having some sin, so repent. Um, Well, yeah, you know what? That's kind of, that's all head stuff. And I think you need to get your head right first, at least this has been my experience, as I've been walking through this this place, this pressure with my wife, I needed to get my head right first, but then I needed to get my heart right. right? That's, that's where, I'm, where I'm working through right now, is getting the, getting the thoughts and capturing the thoughts, I almost want to say that's the easy part. It's not easy, but that was the easy part. Then you need to turn and pivot to the heart. What are my feelings? What are my emotions around this? What is that looking like? Because I know in my head, God is good. Mm -hmm. But do I always feel that in my heart? And the reality is no. 
So there's, there's, I'm disjointed. So you're loving them with your mind, but are you loving them with your heart? That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's why that, that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 is so important, right? Is because it's talking about feeling the comfort, right? It's, it's talking about the heart right there. And then being able to express that heart out to others. And that's kind of, at least for me, that's the phase that I'm in right now is, yeah, you know what? I'm, I let my mind run all over the place and I put a stop to that, right? And I know, I know that God is good. I know that the blood of Jesus was once and done and it counts. I'm not just righteous. I'm not just justified, but I'm whole. I'm healed. I'm healthy. I'm fill in the blanks, right? That worked. That, that, that's not a question in my head anymore, but it's now going into the heart. And, um, my, uh, my, my wife used to do this years ago. Um, she used to, uh, whenever she was praying for something and she'd release it to God. And then every time she took it back, she'd release it to God. And she did this action with her physical arms and hands, right? She'd be holding on to something, and she'd literally lift her hands up in the air and open up her hands and say, right, there, you, you get it back, right, each time I, right? But now, now she's actually switched that where she'll, like, put her hand on her heart, and she'll pull out those things uh. that her heart is feeling and kind of cast them aside saying, no, that's, I know that's not true in my head. Right, but now I'm, and she's working through the same type of stuff I am. It's a heart thing for us right now, mm-hmm. and that's what we're processing. And there are people. The sad reality is, there are people that won't access the heart in that kind of context. They'll just get, they'll get focused on formulas, yeah, and they'll they'll quote scriptures, and they'll just become very staunch and stoned about it. Oh no, 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 brother, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm everything else. And yet stirring underneath all of that is this raging ordeal they haven't dealt with. And that's really sad because then they become very harsh. Uh, legal. Well, legal, yeah, but they can also be very harsh. Mm-hmm. With, uh, instead of learning the lesson that you're saying that now you can be helpful to others. I think also in Job, we need to look back at the fact that there are people that say Job today. Even after God's condemned his his buddies that kept saying he had sinned, there are people that say, well, what happened to Job was because he had negative faith. And they take one scripture that says that that um, Job said um, that which I have feared has come upon me. But they totally misquote that scripture. What Job feared was that one day. He would not fully, he would come to a place that he didn't fully understand what God does and how he works. And that was, that's what he was wrestling with. He was wrestling with why the destruction of my family, everything in these boils from head to toe. He was wrestling with all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, And how in the world, you know, how can I reconcile this with what I know about God, you know, and the hedge of protection that had been around him, et cetera. So here, here he is wrestling with that, which I feared has happened. 
Now I'm wrestling with this mystery part of God that I don't understand. And I think we have to always come back to that. That the but but the mystery of God never says that this mystery part of Him is some kind of black dark thing. It's never that. It's just something we don't understand about God, and we can never fully understand God. We have to, you know, we just have to submit ourselves to Him and say, God, what, what is it you want? Yeah, I think David said it in Psalm fifty-one. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's that same type of, oh my goodness, right? Don't lift that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're running a little long on this one. You want to bless the listeners? Sure. God, thank you for loving us. Yeah. Thank you that your heart toward us is good. Thank you that your judgments on the world teach the world righteousness, not just misery and punishment for your own amusement. God, I bless the listeners with understanding and love and reliance on you that would precipitate out of their mind into their heart. I just pray that love for you would rain and water their hearts. Father, bless the listeners with the manifestation of the divine comforter that they would feel and know that comfort. Bless the listeners with the mind of Christ and bless the listeners with a soft heart. And Lord, I... I just say that in Jesus' name, bless these listeners with shalom, with wholeness, with protection, with restoration, and all that shalom encompasses, that order may come totally out of the chaos, maybe that's in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen.